Welcome to the Voices of Aging podcast, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group, or ASIC, a student-led collaborative organization for the study of aging at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we feature guests working in different aging-related areas, and they share their experiences and wisdom. We release two episodes every month, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to learn more about aging every time you hit play. This is Madeline Howard with the Voices of Aging podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Amanda Sharp. Dr. Sharp is a physical therapist with board certification in geriatric PT, as well as an assistant professor in the Division of Physical Therapy at the University of Minnesota Medical School. Hi, Dr. Sharp. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's really exciting to be here. Let's start. Um, I think our listeners would love to know a little bit more about you, um, your background, and how you have gotten to this point in your career. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I am um, a physical therapist, and I work here as an assistant professor and also the associate program director and director of student affairs at the University of Minnesota in our Doctor of Physical Therapy program. And I'm board certified in geriatrics. And so that just means I I have some um, additional expertise and additional training and have passed a a board certification exam. Um, And then a little bit just about me in terms of my my past practice area. So uh, I I never thought I was interested in geriatrics, but uh, indeed when I I got to PT school, one of my um, first experiences, I was really impacted on, um, I think, a social-emotional level. On I, I was in a, a long-term care setting, and um, the PT that I was working with was, um, I just observed how connected she was with her patients, and she was always so gracious with her time, and I could just see how impactful those extra few minutes were and how important PT was in the lives of so many older adults. And I think that really sparked my, my interest in, in working with older adults. And so when I went into practice, my primary practice area was the acute care hospital setting. And certainly a lot of older adults end up in the hospital. And so I worked primarily in the hospital setting. And then I also spent some time in an outpatient uh, neuro PT clinic. One of the things that I will put a plug in, however, is um, one of the really unique position. One of them was that I was on an acute care for elders team. Uh, and this was at the University of Wisconsin Hospital. And what I did there was work, it was an interprofessional team and we were consulted to do a second level review on complex older adults who were admitted to the hospital. Um, it was just a pretty amazing experience. Um, perhaps I'll, I'll have more time to expand upon that later. Um, Ultimately, I moved from Wisconsin to Minnesota and uh, was really interested in teaching and uh, mentoring learners to transition into practice. And so I did make that switch in 2014. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. When we're talking about geriatric physical therapy, what does that mean or what are the components of that? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting question because I would say you know, older adults exist in all settings. And um, I I think, 
you know, sometimes we see students come in and they say, well, I just want to practice with athletes. You know, I just want to do outpatient orthopedics. And um, to no fault of their own, there's um, this mindset that like, oh, that means young people, right? Or young and athlete are, are the same thing. And, you know, I always say like, be mindful. Older adults are, are also athletes. Um, they are independent and they're going to appear no matter what setting you work in, except perhaps pediatrics, right? Um, so I always say, you know, geriatric PT is, is, shouldn't be limited to any particular setting or any particular, um, you know, you, not to limit your thoughts on that. So I say, you know, you're going to be prepared to work in any setting and you will work with older adults um, in some way, shape or form. So in terms of the other, you know, components of geriatric PT, I think it's, it's really important um, above all things to, to be an advocate. And I think advocacy is important. I mean, no matter what group you're working with, but I, I think, you know, some of the things I think about with older adults, just they're complex and they don't always have a voice. Um, and again, that's, that's relative to an individual's situation and circumstances. Um, but I think it's just really important to for any healthcare provider, and again, for any patients, but particularly with older adults to, um, to think in a really comprehensive way. And part of that means um, to be an advocate. I also think, you know, anyone who's gonna work with an older adult has to be able to navigate um, complexity, right? These are individuals who may come with really long past medical history, long medication lists. Um, and they've got a lot of life to bring too. So they've got a lot of lived experiences. Um, and so complexity also means being able to integrate all of those things, right? Being able to address the, the different types of needs and um, not minimize one for the other. I could go on and on about this, but I, I guess the last couple of things that I'll say is we have to make sure that we are pushing older adults the same way that we would push any other patient so that we're not underdosing what we're asking them to do um, and that we are using the best evidence to work with them. So again, there's no blanket treatment, there's no blanket intervention or prescription that we would do for any patient. And I think certainly the same is true um, for older adults. There's just tons of ways to use data and use objective information to support our clinical decisions. And I think that's uh, even more important in, in working in geriatric PT. I'm sure most of us know an older adult who at some point has suffered some kind of fall um, and perhaps a resulting injury from that fall. So I would imagine geriatric PT has the potential to focus on either fall prevention or recovery from a fall because this is a particular vulnerability for our aging population. So I'm curious what other kinds of vulnerabilities uh, can be addressed by PT? Yeah, I mean, I think f falls are huge, right? But I always would say, well, like what, what contributed to that fall? Is it a strength? Is it a, you know, production of power? Um, is it just the complexity of chronic conditions building on, on one another? Is it, is it medications? Uh, so I really think falls are really um, a symptom of, of sort of like what else, like what's going on there. And so, you know, yeah, PTs treat falls. I think, you know, we also think about all the other stuff, 
just general frailty, general endurance, general mobility, um, and independence certainly being a, a component of that. I think, you know, one of the things I always like to share with students about falls, especially in, in the hospital setting, and this is, a, I, I think, just a really good example is, you know, I worked in the hospital, we'd get a lot of recommendations um, or referrals, rather. So someone came in and they had a fall, they need a balance assessment. And, you know, sure, I'm going to look at balance with anyone. I'm going to look at balance with, with anyone I work with, older or younger. But I can't say how often those falls were not at all related to balance. Um, so many falls are associated with the autonomic system, particularly orthostatic hypotension. And so that idea of like advocating, right, and thinking about what's really going on here, while it's standard practice, it's also, it's easy to kind of get stuck in like, well, I'll just do this quick assessment and move on. Um, but, you know, with so many older adults, there's, there's, there's just a lot, a lot of um, coexisting conditions and, and things that we need to consider. So I personally am often intrigued by the mind-body connection and thinking about how this applies to older adults. I think, you know, mental health as we get older, it seems like it just often is ignored. And I know that maintaining independence and mobility is a common goal for um, aging adults. What What are your thoughts on this? And do you think there is a strong connection between this kind of independence and emotional and spiritual well-being? Yes. I mean, I think there absolutely is. And it, again, I think it's true for all of us. Um, you know, my thought on maintaining independence and mobility and, and then that connection, I guess, independence and mobility, I think we're we're still really only as good as a provider is our ability to recognize and understand what the person in front of us needs. So, um, you know, independence and mobility are, are limitations and perhaps conditions that make full independence difficult uh, can be a limitation. But I think beyond that, we have to be able to frame what we're doing in a way that really values the goals of the patient uh, and while also keeping them safe. And, you know, so again, I that connection, you know, getting back to your question around, well, that emotional, spiritual, mental health, I think... Um, you know, independence is kind of a relative term, right? So we could say independence, maybe it's not necessarily in, in mobility, maybe it's just in making choices for yourself, right? I've seen um, families, well-meaning families, step in and, and, and take things away from a lot of older adults um, without really stopping and considering the impact, like, you know, driving, medications, walking unassisted, and, um, you know, from it's just a lot of losses for someone all at once. And so I think the best thing is to slow down and really be a collaborator in that provision and delivery of care. Um, I think about, I heard once, I should say, um, related to that emotional, spiritual well-being that uh, centenarians have in common certain things, right? And so in addition to like water consumption, genetics, regular activity, I think the other two things, if I'm recalling, are, are this idea of purpose and community. And I think, you know, both purpose and community are tied directly to emotional and spiritual well-being. And, and so I think there's certainly important components to health. I believe you briefly touched on this earlier. Um, and I know it can be 
uh, difficult or not necessarily recommended to make blanket statements or, or recommendations, but are there particular routines or exercises that you find yourself commonly recommending for members of the aging population or, you know, kind of general knowledge that could be helpful or is it truly better just to be individually assessed? I think it's both, right? So yeah, everyone needs to do an individual assessment and to really think about the unique needs of the person in front of you. But, you know, I think about what's my favorite or my go-to exercise. I can tell you anyone I'm seeing, which is usually older adults, is going to get the exercise of sit to stand. It's just going to happen. And and it's it's a very functional task, right? And I say, well, think about how many times a day you sit up or excuse me, you stand up and sit down. It's a really important component of function, right? Getting in and out of bed, getting in and out of a chair, getting on and off a toilet. Um, and often if I make that connection, that helps people like, oh, I understand why that's important. Um, typically, I think about in terms of strengthening. So in addition to that exercise, everything on the backside. So extensors. Often we'll see people start to, to hunch or bend forward as muscles get weaker and the pull of gravity, you know, almost looks like they're pulling people down. So strengthening, you know, the back muscles, the glutes, um, all around the hip girl, all of those areas tend to be really um, important in working with older adults. Many of our listeners are students. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a geriatric physical therapist, sounds like this is a subspecialty of PT, um, but I would love to hear more of exactly how that process works. Yeah, so, you know, PTs, will all, we will all graduate as generalists, right? So PTs all graduate as doctors of physical therapy and we're all generalists. Um, and, 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 and so that means really that we could treat anyone who comes through the door. Um, and so that leaves a little bit of, of space for, well, what if you want to do geriatric care, as you suggested? And so I always think about, well, where are the settings that you might see the largest number of older adults? Maybe you just want to start and get some experience. And I think thinking about um, senior living complexes that serve adults of all abilities, so independent living to assisted living to skilled nursing, plus or minus memory care. You know, often PTs who work in those settings get to work with clients in each of those spaces, and that's a really nice way to get some experience. Uh, certainly the hospital setting, as I mentioned, home health. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, think about just considering times um, where you can just connect or volunteer and spend time with older adults. So I think the best PTs are able to create um, this sort of mutual understanding and safety with their patients. And that's certainly something that applies to working with older adults. I think also having comfort working with individuals who have had cognitive changes is really important. And having a sense of ease and engaging with, with individuals with cognitive changes does help foster comfort for, for both parties. In terms of formal ways, um, getting involved in interest groups uh, locally and nationally, so through our professional association, the APTA, and also the Academy of Geriatric Physical Therapy. They put out regular research articles, but then also just some more informal, just FYI um, articles about working with older adults. 
And uh, certainly, uh, if you're interested in pursuing a board certification, there are a couple paths to do that. One is you could consider joining um, or, or applying to rather a, a geriatric residency. And we have in uh, the state of Minnesota here at the university, the only geriatric residency offered. So we would certainly encourage people who are already PTs or graduating PTs to apply to our geriatric residency. And that's one way to be eligible to sit for um, the board exam. Uh, the other way that you would be able to sit for the exam is to get a lot of experience working with older adults. And so those are, um, again, that's if you want to pursue that board certification. But I would say there's so many ways, even as students, for people to get involved in, in working with older adults. Dr. Sharp, thank you so much. This conversation has been fascinating. I've learned so much. Um, I just wanted to provide you with a final um, opportunity to discuss any additional resources or plugs that you might have to share. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm not a shameless promoter because I don't necessarily have anything to plug other than our residency program, which, you know, of course, I already have plugged at this point. Um, so I, I guess I'll just kind of end by saying we need more people who are trained to work with older adults. I mean, all the evidence shows that care improves for older adults across all settings when there's a team or individuals who are specifically trained to work with them. Um, our healthcare system is just under-equipped at this point in terms of available providers. So I think the more we can learn and do, the better for all of us. Because the reality is we're all going to age, right? Our loved ones are going to age. We're going to age. Our children will age. And um, we need the right team out there. And I think the last thing I'll say is don't forget to be kind. You know, everybody has a story and I've seen a lot of isolation. It's something that's really unfortunately prevalent in aging communities. And I can promise you that taking that extra minute to be kind or to be a friend to someone can make just an incredible difference. So um, shout out to everyone who's thinking about working with older adults. We need you out there. And um, thanks so much for this opportunity. This has been fun. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and thank you for, for mentioning how important that is. It's great to be reminded of that. This podcast is brought to you by ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Follow Voices of Aging and ASIC on social media for more information about the episodes and guests on the podcast and to learn more about us as a student group. See you next time.